Wonderful to just celebrate together Sunday with you. We, we just felt to do this week a little bit differently in terms of just refocusing and talking about who we are and why we do what we do. And so I appreciate you being here. So this morning is going to be different in a sense that it's not just a word about walk with God in a specific way. It's a little bit more general. And so if you want to just open up your heart and say to your neighbor, it's not about making you feel better today. It's about challenging you a bit. All right? And so that's the focus of this morning. And, and um, the thing that I want to show you is just the word together has, has been something that has great effect in many people's lives. There's a couple of quotes here that I want to just share with you about being together and about coming together. Some people have said the following about togetherness. First thing is coming together is a beginning. Staying together is progress. And working together is success. All right? Uh, by the way, that was Henry Ford that said that. Another one was someone said, although we may be apart, we do not have to be alone. So we live apart. We do things apart from each other. We don't have to be alone. Togetherness is a choice. Amen? Another person by the name of David said the following, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to work, to dwell together. Uh-huh. Something of value in togetherness. The last one here is togetherness is about heart, not habit. So we can do this every second or every week, for instance, and come together. But if there's no heart, we're not together. We're just sharing the same venue at 8.30 on the Sunday morning, isn't it? Togetherness is, is not about habit. It's about the heart. And it says also togetherness is about love, not location. And togetherness is about conviction, not convenience. So sometimes we do things together because it may not be convenient, but I have a conviction that this is the right thing for me to do. And so together today, on Together Sunday, we want to challenge one another with this. And Ecclesiastes is a verse that I would like for you to look at with me. It's something that often is used in the light of marriage, but it's not written specifically for that. And a lot of people quote this, the, the, the verses afterwards. But listen to this, what what is written. It says, two are better than, all right, and how many of you want to be one? The whole thing about one is that it leaves you to AL1, to being alone, isn't it? Um, And so, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. So, when we do things together, there's great reward and, and we can accomplish much more. So, that's why they say it's better to be Come and just look on the right-hand side over there. It's better to be together. All right, you together with me. All right. Anyway, and so it carries on. It says, for if they fall, these that are together, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. So that we're not saying that you're going to fall and that's why you need to be part of church. It's just that we need one another. We may not fall, but we need to be supported. Because how many know that you often grow weary and tired in life? Uh-huh. And we need to have people around us that can just be there to support us. So hence this morning, we're talking about this. And we want to celebrate our togetherness. I want to urge you to do something specific as we consider that today. And um, as, I, as we talk about what togetherness is, I want to do something specifically in that. I want to use the word charge, not like we know always. When we talk about charge these days, we consider cell phones and 
whatever else we need to charge, hey? Now, I want to charge you in the sense of appealing to you and of urging you and of strongly encouraging you. And that's where I'm going to use the word charge today. And so we find that often people are charged for various things. Uh, I said to you last week, we had the privilege of, of being at our middle son's wedding. And, and I remember just having spent a bit of time before that in August with him. And there was a period where I felt that there was a charging moment where I could charge and as his mom could charge him towards really what it means to be married and to be a husband and to be committed and to be devoted. And, and there are those moments in life when we do that, isn't it? I hope that you have been charged in your life, not through sleeping or eating, but through being challenged and reminded of what it means to be devoted and committed and loving and kind. Uh-huh. And often in life we need to do that, particularly with our children, but also with one another. And so hence, I want to do that this morning, charging you towards towards being together. We find a couple of examples of this, and and I've got a slide up here that you can just write down the verses. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, but a couple of places in the Bible where people were charged and, and strongly urged. Moses did that to Joshua. When Joshua was about to take over the reins, Moses knew that he was not going to do was meant to do, and that people into the promised land. Is it my fault or that thing? Should I take this? What is that? You're making signs. I don't know what that means. Should I do it? Is it position? My position? Should I stay? Or this one? You're going to define position. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, so Moses did this to Joshua in those verses, and he says, Joshua, listen, buddy, you've got to be ready for what's coming. And he prepared him. Moses did an incredible job. I mean, it's a humbling thing because he knew that he was not going to lead the people. He didn't mope and, and sit back. He's like, oh, do it. But he took responsibility, and he said, Joshua's going to do it. Let me prepare him for it. And so then we see that David, he knew that God had said to him, you're not, you're not going to build a temple, David. And again, David could have complained in that moment and said, oh, I, I wanted to do it and I would have loved to do it. And he knew God had said, your son will do it. So he went to Solomon before he was about to die. And he said, Solomon, you need to be ready. And he charged him. He strongly urged him. He motivated him towards what God had called him to do. And he realized that, and, and that's the beauty of succession in that sense, that we don't hold on to things that we need to let go of. There's a strong thing in this for us as, as older people. We need, we need to prepare the next generation. And are we doing that? Or are we just holding on until we die? And, then, <gasps> and I've been involved in various situations in life, particularly in church, where, where people have held on so much that eventually when they were moved on to whatever, and whether it's physical passing away or physical relocation, there was nothing done to prepare and to charge the next generation. So we want to charge you as older people today, the younger ones, and say, you're going to be ready for what God has for you. Don't just sit and and become complacent and, and not act and not be ready in our togetherness, not take responsibility for where you are as a young person and say, please help me and shout out to the older people. And older people, don't be so protective of what you have 
and say, nobody dares to dare to take this from me. This is my identity. You need to prepare the next generation to pass on one generation to another. And so we see that John, in John rather, Jesus says this. He says, the things that I've come to do, to lay down my life, I've been charged by my Father in heaven to do this. Jesus himself said, I've not chosen to do this out of my own. The Father said, this is what I need to do. You can read that in John 10. And then finally, and maybe we can just look at a few of these examples, Paul does this to Timothy. And first of all, there's a couple of places where this actual word is used in Timothy. And it says in 1 Timothy 1, verse 3 to 5, he says, he writes to Timothy, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach my different doctrine. He says, go and urge them to do it in the right way. And then later on it says, verse 5, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And then in verse 18 he says, this charge, this command, this, this strong encouragement, I, I entrust to you, Timothy, by in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. And so he goes on and he explains what he is charging him towards. Let's look at the last one in 2 Timothy chapter 4 as we just look at what it means to be charged. It says in verse 1, Paul writing again to Timothy. And by the way, this is the last letter that Paul wrote. And we don't know how soon after this he died. But this is kind of like a last, you know, instruction final word like Moses gave to Joshua, like David did to Solomon, Paul is writing to Timothy. And, and I guess this challenges me is like, what will be, if I had the moment that I could understand that God, this is going to be my last charge or my last words, what would my words be? Would it be, I'm sorry for what I've done and sorry for what I've said and would I have time for that? But imagine how sad it would be that we don't have time for a charge, but we have we have to spend it on apologizing and repenting. It's also a waste of time in a sense, because this is your last moment. And none of us know when that would come. But just imagine we have such a moment where we could be ready for it. Imagine we wasted with all due respect on repenting and, and apologizing. And that's not wrong to do that, but that shouldn't be the last thing we say. I find in, in Scripture, most of the time people didn't do that. They prepared the next generation for what they were supposed to be doing. And that's what we need to be readying ourselves for. And when you need to repent and apologize and say you're sorry, do it now. Don't delay it. Imagine if you don't get the opportunity to do that. But rather do what you need to do now so that every moment out of that, apart from it, you can also prepare and charge the next generation. Come on. You've got an obligation to do that. We do all. And so Paul does this so clearly. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is, judged, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in, the, in his kingdom. And then he says towards the following, he charges him. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So Paul is very clear that he's saying, come on, Timothy. Ready yourself for this stuff. Don't miss it now. I want to be there for you, but there's going to be a time that I won't be there for you. And you're going to take on what I've imparted to you. 
And this is what I'd like to do to us today as we are together. That over the last 19 months, it's virtually just 19 months has gone by in a jiffy like that. We have, we have been busy. We have been um, aware of various things. And in the midst of that, we've, we've seen just the reality of how our togetherness has been under huge scrutiny. And it's been under attack. Not just meetings, but who we are. Not the habit of coming together, but the heart of being together. And so my task and, and our, our, our responsibility as elders is, is to come and charge us all towards that. And in that, there are a couple of things that we're going to specifically want to charge you towards. And many people have tried their best over the last couple of months in terms of being faithful towards God and our togetherness with God and togetherness with people. But it's been difficult. Come on. Amen. It's been tough. And so here we are today to remind each other, to stir one another, to urge and to charge each to various things that, that we feel is so incredibly crucial in our walk as believers and as Christians and as the church. There are various things that, that people often use and say, you know, when you look out for a church and, and you want to find health in a church, look for these things. I want to give you five things today. That is not, this is not an, um, a, an explanation of what a church should look like. This is an urge towards you personally, sir, ma'am, young person, about taking stock of how this is real in your life today. All right? So this is about all of us saying, how are these things, these five things particularly, five things that we can use to celebrate our togetherness and, and our state of being together or being united and and we've got to look at these five and say, where am I? And so I want to use, the easiest is to use a hand. Hence the hand. And one of the interesting things about a hand is when you want to confirm something with people or celebrate, you go high five. Or you go, these days we go fist. Eh? Or we shake the hand. And in that we use our hand to confirm something or celebrate something or to say something, isn't it? Like you wave, yeah, yeah, thanks, T-Man. You wave with your hand, say, hey, I'm here. You know, who's in with us? Yeah, yeah, take my hand. And in your hand, there's something that you communicate, isn't it? Come on. With your hand, you, like if, if, if you're all here and I say, okay, who's coming to the picnic afterwards? And you're like, like just by a show of hand. Or how many of you are, are looking forward to, do we have those round little things with a hole in the middle? Yeah. We have donuts. How many of you are keen for donuts? Oh, no, that's a better show of hands, eh? Oh, no, that's cool. Um, so, so the point is, if I ask you, how many of you are in, you know, keen for a donut, you go, it just doesn't really do it, doesn't it? It's like the show of hands says, yeah, I'm in. And so this morning, I want to use the hand with the five fingers on the hand to, to use, or to illustrate the five things that I believe God is challenging us to, um, to commit ourselves and to be charged towards again, to to confirm our togetherness. And so we're going to look at these five things from a portion in the Bible that we have preached from before. I think Kilton did that a couple of months ago, and he did a splendid job on it, and I'm not trying to improve on it today. I just want to use five things from this portion that talks and refers to the early church, where the church just started. And now this is a description of what they did back then. 
that. It's not necessarily a prescriptive thing that we have to, but you see in, in the Bible elsewhere that these things are actually repeated. And so go with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, or 42 to 47. The verses are up there. And I want you to read with me. I want you to use your Bible, whether you've got a swipe to get to Acts or pick up a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible and you can't afford a Bible, come speak to us. Is that okay? All right. We, we want to make sure that people are able to enjoy the Word with us. So here in Acts 2, verse 42, the background is the church has really just started. Um, Jesus has left the earth. Holy Spirit had come. He had filled them with power. They preached the message Peter did. And people got saved. Saved in a sense from their sin. And they accepted Christ as, as the way forward, as this Lord and Savior of their lives. And so then the church out of that emerged. And so here we find just a description of what that looked like when all of this took place. Verse 42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And by the way, you're going to find that word appear here twice. See that word? What is that word again? Together. All right. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together with me. All right. This side is more awake than that side. This morning, I noticed that. Um, it says, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attend, attending the temple together, well done, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want to just say to you, there are five things that I believe God is calling us to be together for. And this is generic to all churches and all believers. It's not unique to King City Church. But we want to today challenge one another to be together in these things. And the first thing from this portion is that we are called to be together for worship. We're called to be together for worship. We see how they um, refer to that, but I want to just ask the qu first question is, what is worship? Worship is, is not just the singing of songs that we often just use to define what worship is. In actual fact, when Jesus says to us in Matthew 6, verse 9, he teaches us this prayer, which is not the Lord's prayer. We said it's a model prayer. It's a prayer that he taught us. It's not his prayer. It's our prayer. Because he says, when we pray, we need to pray like this. Our Father, who are in heaven, who oh, is in heaven, really, because our Father is one, isn't it? That's ears, eh? But he's a, anyway, let's not get involved in that. Our Father who is in heaven. And then he uses this word, hallowed be your name. I want to stop there and just explain to you that's what worship, where it starts. Worship is not the physical thing that we do, the clapping of the hand and the singing of the song, firstly. Worship is an attitude of the heart that is found in this word hallowed, which means to acknowledge God and to consider Him to be holy, and therefore willingness to respect and revere Him as the most important person in my life. That's how our prayers start. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And in that I recognize that you are God and that I'm desperate for you. That's my worship. And we are called to be together for that. 
We're not called to be an institution, first of all. We are called to bring honor and reverence and respect to Him. And that's where it all begins. And how did the early church do it? We find it in this portion. We're in verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. How's that? Breaking of bread. Now I know that it could just be a meal that they had often done together, but it really in this context, it's more than that. It's a breaking of bread as we celebrate and remember what Jesus has done for us when we have communion. And so they often did that. And so their devotion in terms of being together was firstly towards God. They said, God, we want to recognize what you have done through Jesus for us, and we worship you for what you've done. And prayers flowed out of that. So simply we find here that a recognition of their own dependence upon God is evident. And how often they, and, and listen to what happened then. Verse 43, and all came upon every soul. Why? Because they had a lot of people together. <laughs> that awe is a, it's a deep, deep sense of understanding that this is God at work here. And what God has done for us is something that we deeply value and respect. They were filled with amazement and respect. They worship for God led them towards a place of awe. Like, wow, that's where we get our word awesome from. That's awesome. Sometimes we, we make out of little things and out of minial, uh, simple things in life to be awesome. Well, it's awesome. No, no, you know what is really awesome? It's what Jesus has done for us, which leads us to a place of worship. And so I want to encourage you. That's what we find these people did. It says that they received their food with glad and generous heart. Just another way in which they had great appreciation for who God is. Where do we receive, who do we give our, our, our appreciation for food and for what we have too? We give it to God, isn't it? And so here's a simple illustration of how they worship God. And verse 47, it says, they praised God. Another proof that they, their togetherness was firstly and foremostly to worship God. So I want to ask you, how's your worship currently? How are you in expressing your love for God? How are you doing? We can come together like this, but we can come together without worship. It's not a habit that defines us. It's the heart that defines us. And so in our togetherness, may our worship be real. Clive, do you want to just add something on that, just what you feel is, is relevant for us to hear on together for worship. Um, uh, Vesey has already touched on it. Uh, worship is not, um, is not just uh, singing three songs and hearing the word after coming to church on a Sunday, then you have done your, your, your part as a believer. Uh, worship in the in 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 the early church was actually quite different, and this is where we should learn, uh, because not not only is it um, is it a habit, but it's a it's it's something that we are charged by by um, by by the the, the gospels, uh, by the writings even of Paul to do, and worship was quite different. It was prayer. It was really really different. It was prayer. 
prayer focused on God. And um, if you just look at the, the book of Acts, there is more prayers or more instances of prayer than anything else. You don't find uh, people singing three songs and then just listening to the word. But there are more instances of people gathering and praying. In Acts 1 verse uh, uh, 14, it says that they continued in prayer and, and, um, and, uh, supp and supplication with the women. And the, different, the, the, the reason why it says with the women is because in the, in the Jewish culture, women prayed differently in a different, uh, in a different room. And men prayed in a different room. But this time, you find them all together in one accord. Uh, in other versions, it will say together. All these, would to, uh, all these together were devoting themselves to prayer. You also find this in uh, Acts 3 verse 1. We are looking at together, to gather in a way. It says, Peter and Paul... Um, Peter and Paul, um, Peter and John, sorry, uh, um, were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, uh, the ninth hour. And you know that that, that word, the hour of prayer, appears in in, in the book of uh, in in John. Sorry, it appears in John where Jesus says, "Could you not have prayed with me for one hour?" It says that. And it shows you what what Jesus is charging the church at the moment. That one hour, can't you just spend that, just what one hour, just in focus with me? And in Acts 4, verse 23 to 24, it says, Being let go, they went to their own and reported what the chief priests and the elders said. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God together. They raised their voice to God in one accord. In Acts 4, verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, so in raising their voices, it was prayer. They were praying. So there are so many instances that we see in the Bible. I, I, I can't mention them. I, I can't go through all of them right now. But though all these instances are of prayer, when they, when they chose deacons, the church prayed. When, they, um, when, um, uh, they, when Peter was uh, in prison, the church prayed sure. and Peter came out of prison. When, um, when Paul and, um, and Barnabas were called into mission, the church prayed. So we see the church continuously praying. And there is, there is a, a reason why um, the, that verse in uh, Acts 2 verse 42 is, is the only word that is plural. It's because you are expected to live a lifestyle of prayer. Prayers. That's what Very it good. says. They were in prayers. And so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, friends, I'll just say that a church that prays together. Amen. That's good. That's very helpful. And I think one of the things that we're trying to do is even in this preach, we want to do it together. That's why Clive has just come up. And, and, and Tom, to illustrate to you something that there's value in us not just being together, but doing stuff together. And, and later on, we'll talk about just those tables set out there. But for us, our worship to God results in or, or is defined by certain practical things that we do. And don't just wait for the, you know, the elders to say, okay, we're going to pray together on whatever day it may be. But join us in, in heart. And, and you don't need to actually tell us that you've been praying. Whatever God says to you, please come and share it with you. You're welcome. But it's, it's, it's an invitation. It's a charge to together worship him in this particular way. The next one we will talk about is, is that in the early church, they did this thing. They served. So our next point is we're going to be together at service. 
So it's like I'm at your disposal. I'm at service. I'm not just doing it, but I'm gearing. here to give of myself to you, to be at, at your service. And it says here, and again, the example is defined here in, in verse 32. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Now you think that fellowship is not really a great way to serve, but, but you know what? Fellowship is giving of our time. And again, we want to urge you, want to charge you to consider togetherness in the light of where time and, and being together has been robbed of us over the last couple of months, and we need to reinforce that as a value for who we are. We want to be together, not just at 8.30 on a Sunday morning, but we want to reach out to one another and make time for each other. One of the best things that you can give another person is your time. How often is it that we hear that, no, sorry, I can't, you know, just I'd love to get together. I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. I want to challenge you. I want to urge you. I want to charge you to reconsider that lifestyle. And so, you know what? Because you're important to me, I'll make time for you. And therefore, I'll serve you with my time. You don't have to come and do anything. Just, just be with me and, and I with you. And just enjoy life together. Guys, we, we don't have a second chance on this. We can't go through life and say, well, you know, in 30 years' time, I'll just kind of reset the thing like we do with our laptops or whatever, and then I'll just kind of clear all the rubbish and start all over again. We may not have that moment to do that. But we constantly need to charge one another towards reconsidering a godly lifestyle now. Not one day. Because it's getting busier, it seems. Life is just more hectic. We can't believe that it's November tomorrow. Oh my goodness. I've got like 40 days of shopping before Christmas. If that was true. No, the reality is this. We keep on saying, oh, just, we can't, and sorry, I, I won't, and, you know, I can't just get to you, and because of what? It is not time, it's a heart issue. <laughs> Come on. Come on. It's not the watch. It's the heart. And so we see here that, that they commit themselves to fellowship. They also commit themselves to receiving from those that, that are their peers, the apostles. <laughs> they allow people to serve them. So it seems it's very clear that, that when the apostles were around them, there were miracles and signs and wonders done, and the, and the people received that. They were willing to be served. And sometimes we can get so proudful that we don't allow people to serve us. Somebody comes to you and say, hey, what can I do for you? Don't shove them off and push them away. Allow them to serve you. Allow them. And now we're not saying that there's... There's, there's hierarchy in the life of the church that you should allow the elders to serve you only. We need to be served by one another. There needs to be humility amongst us that in our togetherness we say, I'm at your service. I want to do whatever is necessary for me to serve you. And so they had all things in common. And here the word together comes in again in verse 44 where it says, the believers were, were together and they had a common belief. And, and in this, they reach out to one another. By the way, a beautiful expression is found in Acts 4, verse 32. If you just turn the page quickly, it says in verse 32, Now the full num number of those who believed were of one heart and, and soul. That's togetherness, isn't it? One heart and soul. And no one said that 
any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. So, woo, that's quite a thing. Hey? Don't worry, I'm not going to take what is yours now. I'm just using this as an illustration to tell us that in together we serve one another with whatever I have. If it can help you, let me help wherever I can. And so we see this beautiful thing that they, they had this beautiful, I mean, commonality is not a word that should just be taken to communism. Let's not talk about, let's talk about communion. Use the word rather in that context where we say, let's have communion with one another. Let's have communion with God, worship God in our togetherness and let our worship towards God, for God, bring about a communion with one another as we serve one another. It's a beautiful thing, and, and that's why we have those serving opportunities, for, particularly for Sundays, and there's obviously more opportunity to serve. And please, that's one of the practical things is making time for one another. But there you go. You can afterwards, and we'll talk about it more. The next thing I want to mention is that God has called us to be together to grow. It's together to growth. We can't just stay where we are in our spiritual walk. And, and, and not grow towards a greater resemblance and a reflection of who Jesus is. We've got to grow, ladies and gentlemen. And we see that, that the people here, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And so I'm not saying come and listen to me. I'm talking about the principle that the Word of God needs to be absolutely important to our lives. And we need to submit to what the Word of God teaches us. And in context where you are exposed to teaching. And I, again, we, we say don't go eat at 10 different homes every week. This is, if this is your home, come and eat. And we as the elders have a huge responsibility and obviously a privilege to feed you and to help you towards nourishment. But don't, don't have a mixed diet because it will confuse you. But be devoted to grow, first of all. Not devoted to me, but devoted to Christ and to His Word and devoted to growth. They were open to learn. They were a learning church. They wanted to grow. They regularly, it says they, they did day by day in verse 46. It says day by day attending the temple together. Now, I want to say this to you, that growth comes through fellowship. I don't know how many last you've done a fire. A physical fire where you've seen the coals. And you take one coal out of the fire and you put it aside. What happens to that coal? It dies. And we take ourselves out of fellowship and put ourselves aside. We've seen a lot of that happen over the last 19 months where we've been forced to be coals on our own. But God is saying there's a value in being together. We see it in Scripture. Together with Him and together with one another. And so we've got to help one another. You've got to help the people that are perhaps coals on their own. It's not just my job. We've got to reach out to people that are struggling to keep the fire for God on their own. Come on. We see here that they were devoted to that. And one of the practical ways in which we want to help you, not just to come together on Sundays, but one of the last, second last um, tables or um, things that you can go to is, is what we call connect groups where you can be part of a connect group and part of a moment where you share a life and significance with somebody else in a small group context. Because, yeah, that's why we're doing Sticky Sunday every now and again, so that we can just be reminded of, oh, that's me. And 
Oh, that's your name. Because togetherness without kind of helping each other towards naming and, and remembering names is also not that real, isn't it? And so we do that practically. But you can write your name or go and give your name if you're interested in that. So growth comes through fellowship. I want to say that isolation, you know what isolation is? We isolate ourselves. We, we, we move away like the cold does. Sometimes isolation can result in insulation. And this, this cable is a very practical example of that. Is that inside here there are n a number of other wires. But it's been insulated by this protective layer that's put on the outside. And so what we do is we isolate ourselves, but we do it in such a way that the Bible says it's good to not be part of the world. You're in the world, but you're not from the world. So you've got to be separate from the world. But so often when we do that towards one another as the body, that we isolate and we actually insulate. That you don't dare come tell me what to do. I only listen to God. You told, you know, you want to have an, an imp or an, a role to play in my life. No, no, I'm, I'm like this, this, this wire inside you. I've insulated myself against other people's input. I'm by myself. And the Bible is clear that we're not called to live like that. We need each other. The Bible says we're a body. This finger cannot go without the hand. And sometimes the hand does things that you don't like. Amen? And the church is often um, criticized for doing things in a wrong way. We all make mistakes. You hang around me. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to disappoint you. Because I'm a frail human being. And I will make mistakes. But please don't because of me and, and my frailties and my silly stuff, insulate yourself against what God may want to do through me humbly to you and you to me. Do you see that? So isolation can lead to insulation, ladies and gentlemen. And we are called to be together, together to grow. Kilton, you want to add something on that um, as, we, as we just talk about what it means to be the people of God. Thank you. If you look at the early church properly, their focus was not on growth in numbers. Their focus on growth was the inner growth. And when they grew in their devotion to Christ, the physical manifested in people coming. You see, when you grow in your devotion in the Lord Jesus Christ, you become attractive to the world. You become attractive to other people. They begin to come closer to you to understand why you are doing what you are doing the way you are doing it. And they begin to see the Jesus in you because when Jesus grows inside of you, he manifests in the outside of you. And everything that you do then becomes a ministry. It becomes a witness. And you begin to attract people even without knowing it. But how then do you grow in this devotion? Be teachable. How teachable are you? Like verse said, the challenge with a lot of believers these days is you want to be an island. You want to isolate yourself. You want to do things by yourself. This is me. This, that's the spirit of the world. It is not the spirit of God. 
So don't be led by the spirit of the world. Once you are a child of God, in a setup like this, you are vulnerable. You are open. There is no longer you, but there is us. Because your fall is our fall. Your growth is our growth together. When you err and do a lot of funny things there, guess who suffers? It's not only you, but us together suffer. So you need to be that person who is accountable to us, to, not us as elders, aye, to us as believers. Be accountable one to another. The calling for Christians is unto one to another. That's, that's the ministry. That's the purpose. So how accountable are you? Ladies and gentlemen, in everything that you do, remember that you are no longer doing it for yourselves. Yeah. But you are doing it for us. You are doing it for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So don't put the name into disrepute. Sure. Let's grow together Amen. in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and in our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, sir. That's very helpful. Thanks, Kilton. I love the thing that we, we, we've been brought together to grow together. And so if you see me becoming slack in that, you have a responsibility as my brother, as my sister, to come and help me and say, come on. We see that in the natural. When somebody doesn't eat, we won't leave them. You keep on nagging at them, nagging at them. You've got to eat. You've got to eat. You need the strength. And so spiritually it's the same. We've got to help one another so that we can rely on the, on the beautiful word from God so that we can keep on growing. Amen? The fourth one is that in, again, what we find here, the, the early church experience is that they were together in giving. Amazing. Let's just see what it does here. It says in verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had needs. A clear example of generosity, isn't it? <laughs> An amazing uh, illustration of how when they came together under the word of God and huge respect for God to worship him, to, to serve one another, to reach out to one another, to sit under teaching, to grow, they also said, it's going to touch the areas of my life where I've been holding on to. And immediately you're like, oh, we've got to give more money. No, I won't worry. We've spoken about the offering, but we want to talk about the attitude of what it means to be together. And, and again, these things are hugely challenged at this time, in this nation particularly. Because we, you know, we have very little, so we want to hold on to what we have. But we find in Scripture that we are taught these beautiful kingdom principles of it's better to give than to receive. And we are calling on each other again to understand the beauty of what it means to give of our resources. And our resources are more than just the bond or the U.S. or the RAND that we walk around. Our resources are our lives, the very things that we can hold dear to. And that we should say, listen, I want to make it available. And I mentioned one of them is our time. It's a beautiful resource that each one of us have. Inviting people into your home. Your home is a resource. Your food is a resource. Your vehicle to drive people around is a resource. And obviously, making this effectively work, the church, your money is a resource. And we want to remind each other again, as I'm not begging you this morning, I'm just telling you what Scripture teaches us. And 
just want to say to you, listen, we have to be reminded of the reality that God is calling us to make our funds available. And so we, we have said a lot already, and I need to just give you quickly just a realistic picture of where we are currently of, of, in terms of our finances. So please give me some extra time, uh, if you may, just stay together with me. Um, we don't often use extensive time for a preach, but we, we want to just to make sure this morning that we cover just most of the areas that we feel are important. I want to just take you to um, some of the slides that we've worked on. And by the way, um, unfortunately, the lady who does our finances, uh, Vanya Cooper, she had been taken up in a hospital recently, and she had gone through a very, very difficult time, and she's back home now. She was in Harare, so she wasn't able to really come and help us put all of these together. I do kind of scramble around, and uh, some of these things may not be entirely, you know, correct until the last, you know, dollar or whatever. But um, by the way, she sends her love and just appreciation for praying for her. She is much better. She's at home. But we would like to um, keep on informing you of just, you know, where things are. The 2020 data is correct. So you can see that last year our uh, income for 2020 was that amount, an average, and our expenditure was that amount. And so we were uh, able to, to cover everything that we needed to do, but we couldn't do more. 20. 20 or 35,000 during the year enabled us to do everything that we could with that, but we couldn't do more. And $200,900 a month was, was great to be able to receive, but it wasn't enough. And we don't have debt at the stage, but we still couldn't do more than what we needed to do. And what would have been the more would have been to reach out to more people and help more people. It would have been able to, in, in certain areas, um, do just a little bit more. We were able to cover all our rentals during a very tough time and even 2021, but we couldn't do more. And we feel that God is challenging us to move more. The next thing is an explanation of where our funds primarily go. Um, it's just the 29,000 that we spent are going into basically five specific directions, the apostolic ministry. I'll give you a rundown of what that all means just now. But just so that you can see how these things were split. Um, operational cost, obviously huge. The next slide is then a rundown of how these five areas actually look like, where they physically go. Apostolic ministry is 11% went into that. That's church planting, Vic Falls. Um, there was not major cost, but it's traveling up and down and everything related to that. When we have people that came and, and ministered into our context, friends, there's an appreciation for that that we give and our traveling expenses when it relates to international areas that we would go into. Church ministries, um, there's children's church, leaders development and those things. I'm not going to all of them. Giving is where we have mercy extended towards people in the church and beyond. Um, where we do marketing, other churches where we support them. And that's particularly rural churches that we are in a relationship with. And then the last one is where we do local outreaches. And then our operational cost last year was, was the major uh, area, I don't know what happened to that one over there, but um, operational cost is 39%, and that's really just to get things going, keep it going. That's this rental for here, that's cleaning, that's electricity, housekeeping for the office, hospitality is your Sunday stuff that we do, insurance is paid, um, motor vehicle expenses, etc., etc. And so the bulk of it went for that, and then finally we had the staff cost, which is 21%, which is full-time and the part-time staff that we currently have. 
So that was 2020. 2021, for the last 10 months, is where it stands at the moment. Um, our current income for 10 months has been, and this is where I'm saying it could differ a little bit here and there if I get the correct stuff from Vanya uh, when she returns, but um, that's most likely not fully correct, but a couple of hundred dollars perhaps here and there, but not majorly. So 21000 this year, and our expenses has been more than that uh, for various reasons, but we had a bit of a surplus from last year. And so this is what we've been going through, um, and, and by God's grace, again, we don't have any debt, and uh, we've managed to cover that we felt to cover. The next thing um, that I want to just propose to you is we've never done this. We've never said to you, please, participate in giving because of this is where we want to go. And so we're trusting the Lord that we can still continue in various areas. The percentages may differ very little. But the amount is going to differ because we're trusting the Lord that we will have funds. And, um, and so obviously we now, it's a strange time to talk about this. Is November is on us, but we feel to keep on. And we'll probably talk to um, the church about this over the next couple of weeks because not everybody comes at one specific. That's a wonderful uh, reality of, of people come, you know, every whatever to second, third week. And so um, we just want to say this is what we're trusting the Lord for. Not because we want to earn more money, it's just we want to do more. Last year, we, in, in terms of our giving, we gave less than 3,000 away. We want to double that to 6,000. Our church ministries was $1,200, for instance, the expense on that. We want to double that. Apostolic ministry, the same. Operational cost is not going to be hugely more. But the one area where we've really, really been lagging behind is in our staff costs. We've not done any, and I know that it's not the right thing to consider increases and all those things. We haven't done that because we haven't been able to. But it's one area where we as a church, we're really trusting the Lord that we can make a difference in that. And so I want to ask you to trust with us because that ultimately the, the end amount is going to be this wonderful amount which actually says we want to double our income because we want to double our expenses. And that's a huge faith step. I want to ask you to partner with us, to be together in that with us. And your one dollar is one thing, but faith towards it is more valuable. So I'm not saying, hey, listen, you've got to give more. I'm saying, please partner with us in faith. And where God challenges you and speaks to you, just respond to Him. You're not doing this for me. We're doing this together. We want to reach, we want to accomplish what God has called us in those five particular areas as a church together. So we're asking you to come together with us in giving. And the last finger on the hand is this is a major one. And we cannot, cannot overemphasize this more. In verse 47, it says, I had favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We, we are called to be together on mission. We have a mission from God, and that is the church exists for the benefit of the people that aren't in the church. This is the only organization that really exists for the benefit of its non-members. And we have a responsibility not to go and look for members of other churches, but to for people that are unchurched and are unsaved that are far from God. And we're on mission as a people. Part of our growth is my heart grows towards God so that it will grow towards somebody else and an unsafe person in particular. 
And we see the beauty of how the church, they didn't focus on, they didn't have evangelism outreaches. They just simply were the people of God. And as they fellowship, they realized that there were others that needed to hear this message too. And our togetherness, therefore, is also about those that aren't currently together with us. We can't just be content with what we have. In terms of, hey, we're great. It's wonderful. But you know people, I know people in this city that are far from God. And as, as believers, one of the things that make us a healthy church is to consider the people that aren't currently serving God. Not in this building. Because not everybody that we reach out to will eventually end up at King City Church. We want to reach them for the sake of the kingdom so that whenever they go to a church or another one different than this, then it's still a great thing to celebrate. We don't just define success in bringing people here. We want to bring them as, with all due respect, not bring them and forcing them, but help them into the kingdom of God and then into church life. And could that be King City? Wonderful it would be. But if not, we praise the Lord regardless. We can and should never forget about the good news of the gospel. And the good news of the gospel is not just that you and I are saved, but that others also need to hear that. And so our togetherness, lastly in the five fingers, is we're together for worship, we're together at service, we're together to growth, we're together in giving, and we're together on mission. And I want to charge you, urge you, on this Together Sunday, to come on board with us again on these five things. And no one's going to check on you where you are with this. I want to ask you just before God, as you take time today and this week and the weeks to come, and I'm sure we're going to be repeating these things over the next couple of weeks, but I want to say to you and ask you this morning, please consider where you are, and please may our charge together today to you lead to a response. If you're there and you're saying, hey, I'm, you've seen me, I'm together. I'm together, not with you, I'm together with God to worship and to grow and to serve and to give and to be on mission. And if you have any questions in this regard, you're so welcome to come and ask us. But we're charging each other towards this. Amen? And so I want to close by giving you an opportunity now. There's an area where we where we help people when they come. Parking is an area where you can serve. There's a sign up there. There's audiovisual. It's where Tash over there is back, and she's helping all with all these things that you see constantly happening. We need people to help in these areas. And please, not just the young people. Come on. Why don't you older people show by example how you can serve? Another one is worship team. You've seen. It's a great way to serve. Coffee and tea. People are leaving just now to go and prepare the coffee and tea for you. And we constantly need people to help in that area. And I'm saying people. Why? Because people are male and female, isn't it? And I want to just reprimand the men, just lovingly. Stop being so... What's the right word there, Kilton? Because I can ask you to say the word because you've done it. Traditional. So stubborn. So proud, so resistant, and humble yourself and serve behind that counter by serving tea. Come on. And we always say, oh, it's the ladies. I honor my friend. He's done that many times. 
Byron, you're doing so well. Guys is coming out and saying, hey, listen, let's break that mold that just men or ladies do it. It's ridiculous. We've got to change that. InfoHub is where we have, thereby, um, Chris, he's waving, he's giving a hand. That's where we serve and just help people with information about the church. Set up all this stuff that goes on here before the meeting and afterwards need hands. And we need men and women to help with that. The sound is where Aiden is at, where it's just practical. We train you in that to help you. And Joma has done an incredible job with that. Welcoming is the people outside where you come in um, on a Sunday and they smile at you because... Well, hopefully that you can see their smile. Sometimes we're not allowed to, smile, to show our smiles these days. But anyway, that's another way. King's Kids is where your children, those of you that have kids, are taken to be served by, at the moment, predominantly ladies again. I don't know why we as men think that certain things are just for ladies and other things are, are, are for men. I don't know why you find it in a word, for instance. We need men to be mentors to our little children. And go and serve in that way. So come on, guys, again, you're under attack here today. Mercy is an area where we practically reach out. And it doesn't happen on a Sunday. It primarily happens during the week where we are aware of people's needs and we reach out and we take them food and we care for them in that way. And as I said, Connect Groups is for those of you that want to grow together with us and it's available. Starting point is what Clive said. It's introducing those. Those of you who want to become members of this church or, or just want to know more about this church, you're welcome to join us. Over a period of time, we're going to help you to understand that. So that's been a mouthful. Thank you for being together today. Thank you for coming. And appreciate you just staying longer. There's a great, great reward for you today for being here and waiting so long. There are donuts to be served. So God bless you. Thanks for being here. And let's, those of you that want to part, why don't you just, you know, in your heart, kind of high five to God, high five in the spirit and saying, yes, God, I, I want to be together in this. I want to be together with what you call this church to. And I want to shake the hand of a brother or a sister and say, hey, I'm, I'm with you in this. I want to serve God this way. So God bless you. It's been great to be together. Have a great day. We're going to do the um, picnic for those of you that can join us out at, um, at Gravel Plot at 11.30. We're going to be gathering there and just being together. Do something together in a different way. God bless you. Thank you for coming.